Hello and welcome back to Over My Dead Pod. I'm Holly Spear. I'm Kate Carter. And I'm Kylie Colwell. And today I'm going to be giving you guys the episode. So let's just hop right into it. Our case, it's an unsolved case. And it's a case that's local to me and kind of local to you guys too because you lived in Little Rock for a little bit. Let's get into it. Today our victim is a charismatic and independent 18-year-old school student named Ebby Stepik. Ebby had dreams of being a cosmetologist and a real estate agent. Ebby had recently found a new level of independence. This year, her senior year, Ebby would move out of her parents' house, get a job, and transfer from a private to a public high school her senior year. She made new friends and took part in normal activities of teens her age. However, on October 23, 2015, Ebby would attend a party, and after this party, Ebby would express to her family that she had been assaulted and that she was planning on making a police report. Ebby would make two phone calls lasting one minute to the police department that went unanswered and one disoriented call to her brother. This would be the last conversation with friends and family that Ebby would have alive. This is the unsolved murder of Ebby Stepik. Ebby Stepik was a normal high school girl. She loved makeup, doing her hair, dressing up, and being with family and friends. Like we were talking about, Kylie, she would have been the same age as me and you. Graduated 2015, would have graduated. Ebby attended Lisa Academy, which is a private school in her hometown of Little Rock, Arkansas. Ebby was very independent, and she started becoming more independent her senior year. Ebby's mother and stepfather became concerned about Ebby's independence. She got a job at a local footlocker in a mall the summer before her senior year started. Then she decided to move out of her mother and stepfather's house. From research, it seems like her parents gave her kind of an ultimatum, like live by our rules or you need to move out. She ultimately decided to move out. I don't think that this caused her to have problems with her family. It seems like they had still had close contact. She was just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do me. I'm going to move out. And so she did. She kind of bounced around. She had an older brother that she stayed with a lot and she was very close to her grandparents. She also had really close friends from the academy that she used to go to from her old private school. So she would stay with them, kind of bounce around and this just worked for her. So in transferring schools, Ebby would be going from a private school, which I think she went to her whole life. Public school that Ebby would go to was Little Rock Central High. Yes, that Little Rock Central High. <laughs> and for those of you that this might not ring a bell, this was the Central High that was involved in the involuntary desegregation in the 1950s after the Supreme Court ruled that segregation in public schools was unconstitutional. The Little Rock Nine were nine African-American students who would enroll in high school and the Arkansas's Governor Orville Faubus would refuse to honor the Supreme Court's decision of Brown versus Board of Education and employed the Arkansas National Guard to prevent the nine Black students from attending their first day of classes. I just had to throw that in there since it's a true crime podcast and all. Although not directly related to Ebby's case, Little Rock High School continues to carry a reputation of being particularly violent. According to KRK, district-wide Little Rock officers responded to roughly 120 reports classified as violent crimes. So battery, assault, terroristic threatening, all the things. In a year? Um, Or what's the period on that? This was a stat reported in 2019, and it was reported in December. So that's the middle of the school year. So just 120 reports. 
This was within all the Little Rock school districts, but it went on to say that Central High was one of the top yeah. places that these reports that. were coming from. Wow. So, yeah. You know what? I like, I mean, I drove by there just because it's such a historic school when we lived in Little Rock. It's like a really pretty school. So that's surprising. In Arkansas and in particular in Little Rock, there's such a difference in one street versus the other. Friends didn't think that Ebby was making the best choices in friends at this time. Her friends would say that they warned her that her new friends might not be trustworthy and that they were not the best influence. I just kind of wanted to say, like, I saw a lot about her being a rebellious teen, but I don't mm. really feel like anything that I saw was abnormal. I feel like every parent says that about their kid in high school. Yeah, for sure. So on August 21st, Ebby was supposed to drive her friend Danielle to school, but Danielle had a doctor's appointment that was running late. Danielle would text Ebby. If I'm going to make you late to school, you can go on. Ebby replies, no, it's not a big deal at all. I swear I didn't want to go to school today anyway because there's all that drama. Danielle would later say she doesn't know what drama Ebby is referring to. On October 23rd, a couple days later, Ebby would attend a party where she was sexually assaulted by four boys at the party. Ebby also mm -hmm. claims that this was filmed by one or more of the boys. I assume that this was a literal party that involved people from the public schools because her friends made comments that they didn't go because they wouldn't know anyone there. So I'm not sure who she went with, but it seems like it was more of a public school than a private school thing. October 24th, the next day, Ebby went home to her mother, Lori, and stepfather Michael's home. She would tell them about the sexual assault and that she wanted to plan on reporting it to the police, but I'm not sure why she waited. Maybe just she wasn't ready yet, yeah, but she yes. spent the rest of the day at her grandparents' house, just kind of relaxing and doing normal things. She watched movies, she laid in bed, she hung out with her grandparents, and she would later go on to leave. She told her grandparents that she was doing something. She didn't tell them about the assault, but she was planning on meeting up with her stepfather to discuss the assault and how she wanted to handle going about reporting it. So she never showed up to meet with her father and she stopped answering phone calls that night, October 25th. So this is the next day. Ebby's older brother, Trevor, got an erratic phone call from Ebby at around 2 p.m. that day. He described her as being disoriented and, quote, like she was high on drugs. She told him that she was parked outside of his house. So he hangs up the phone and walks outside of his house to the street and didn't see her car. So this is a place where she's been multiple times, like she would know if she was there. So he calls her back. She answers. This time she tells him that she's in her car, but she doesn't know where she's parked and could not tell him who she was with. Ebby then says, I'm f***ed up. And the call ends. This was the last time that anybody would hear from Ebby. Trevor, her brother, then calls his mom and tells her that something's terribly wrong. Ebby's family then goes to the police where, of course, they were told that they could not file a police report for 12 hours. <sighs> so we know how to feel about that. Mm. <sighs> Hasn't that mm -hmm. been debunked as just completely false? I think it was on Crime Junkie. They talked about it. There was, at one point, like a nationwide like FBI recommendation for 48 hours. And then they got rid of it because they realized, you know, that's a bad idea. But then all these like small local police departments are like, mm. We're going to stick with that it. helps us. Yeah. So her family did wait the 12 hours up to the minute that they could, and they filed a missing persons report. 
So on October 27th, an abandoned car was discovered in Shalimar Park in West Little Rock. Security guard was patrolling the park when he noticed that the car was abandoned and he notified the LRPD and waited two hours for any officer to arrive and none ever did. The next day when he made his rounds again, the car was still there and he once again called LRPD who finally arrived an hour later, ran the plates and discovered that it belonged to Ebby. The car had an empty gas tank, a dead battery, and the keys were left in the ignition. Ebby's mom would go on to say that she knew at that moment that something was wrong because Ebby left her makeup in her car mm. and left her contacts lenses in her car as well. And she says that Ebby worked really hard to save up her money to buy her own makeup. I mean, I wouldn't leave my makeup in a car. That's just a thing, you know. Not in the heat. Yeah, yeah. And it was also broken all over the car. And she left her contacts too. So if she was planning on going somewhere or leaving with someone, I think that that would be something I would take as a girl. So anyway, the police insisted that Ebby was a runaway and that she would return soon. There were several searches of Shalimar Park and the surrounding woods, but no additional evidence was discovered. They ended up bringing in cadaver dogs. They did searches. It was thoroughly searched and it's a very, it's a fairly small area. All the men that were accused of assaulting Ebby were questioned, but no formal searches of their cell phones were done. No texts, no ingoing calls, no outgoing calls or videos were ever taken off of their phone. So they got their names somehow. So did she report their names? So they pulled Ebby's cell phone records because mm -hmm. she's still a missing person at this point. So they found where Ebby was pleading with the men or talking with them, trying to get them to delete the video. So that's how they found out about the assault, which had happened just days before Ebby went missing. Mm -hmm. so at this point, she's still a missing person. Ebby's mom and her brother Trevor appeared on Dr. Phil in 2017 and offered a public reward of $50,000 for information leading to the discovery of Ebby. Police took 18 months to officially declare Ebby as a missing person. 80? Yes. And Ebby will remain a missing person for three years. The police wholeheartedly believed that Ebby was a runaway, but Ebby's mom said she would never do anything like that and she would never put her family through something like that. So obviously I don't like this idea that she's a runaway. There's just no evidence at all to suggest that she just like upended her life and left or that it was because of the assault that she just decided to just leave. You know, there's a lot of belongings left behind. No, I feel yeah. like... They just say that because they have nothing else to do. Right. But like someone who clearly wants to run away or not be found, you know, takes money out of their bank account, takes their belongings, stuff like that. And none mm -hmm. of that was there. And I think that that's a, a really not bad thing that she did to transfer schools. But I think that she was probably completely unprepared for what mm -hmm. a public school would be like, especially Little Rock Central. Yeah. No, and that's a big, big difference from the private schools in Little Rock to Little Rock Central. Oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Okay. So skip forward three years. Nothing develops in the case until May 2018. At 10 a.m., the police were performing another search of Shalomont Park when they discovered a full skeleton remains in the drainage pipe in the immediate vicinity of where her car was found, approximately 50 feet. And you said earlier they searched the park diligently? And they, cadaver dogs. Right. So that's I, the part that's kind of odd to me. 
Also, the fact that she was found in the drainage pipe, they could have thought that the dogs were maybe alerted to an area. And I never read anywhere that the dogs were alerted to an area, but maybe the fact that it was a drainage pipe, they thought, oh, well, they're probably just smelling like an animal or food or... But it was just bones? It was a... Yeah, it was a full skeletal remains. They estimated that she had died three years prior, which lines up, obviously, So talking about the drainage pipe, when I first was looking at this, I was thinking like the drainage pipes you see on the side of the road. But this is more like um, a drainage ditch that has like the manhole cover on it where Mm -hmm. you can like lift the big piece of metal up. And so it is obvious to me that she was probably just dropped into the hole and that she was moved by natural things further down into the drainage pipe. I'm sure water would, I mean, in the drainage pipe would move her down. Right. So what's interesting about this was Margie and Kaylee Foley, who were friends, lifelong friends of Ebby's, went to walk the park and search for clues days after Ebby had disappeared. The family friend Marjorie and the mother go out and do their own search of the park. They're going to walk around. They're going to see if they see anything. And they smell decomp. They alert the police and the authorities told them that it was just likely an animal. And they assured her that they did thorough searches of the park and that they basically needed to like let it go. I'm not sure the exact words that they used, but the family, Margie and Kaylee described it as they were very dismissive and they were just adamant about they did the searches. There's nothing there and that that's not what they're smelling. Um, So that's Mm. pretty disappointing. She could have been discovered three years earlier. So I originally thought that maybe they did search the park thoroughly. Her body wasn't there and then her body was dumped off there later um but if there was a decomp there i'm just thinking they didn't search the park. right i do yeah, kind of have just... a, an out there theory i guess a little complicated let's go let's go kylie i mean a little i don't know where you're gonna go from here but i am wondering why her car was in the park in the first place did she go there voluntarily and just happen this happened was she lured there or you know when she was going from her grandparents back home or to her stepdad something happened they drop her car there and then they had the search and then they dumped the body after the search i don't know if it was made to look like a suicide or something in the drainage pipe but also what was with the phone call her saying i'm duck yeah and i think that that's where i think the theories on the case that i've read kind of build around that phone call that she had with her brother because The theories are either that she took something and something tragic happened, some kind of reaction, and then she was dumped, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other theories are that she was going to meet these boys with the video and was lured there. And then they planned to kill her and dump her body. Very likely. Yes. So did that pop up on her like phone records at all? Bet the police never put it out there. Not that I could find. I mean, I think that she was communicating with the boys about this video. I'm not sure if the police released anything about her going to the specific park to meet them. But I know that she did have discussions with the boys, like asking them to please delete the video. And she may have said something like, I'm going to the, I'm going to report it. And I think that that started a lot of emotion. We have the search. The search turns up nothing. We know that Two family friends went to the park, smelled decomposition, and that nothing was ever searched after that. 
six years later, no arrests have been made. And that's about where the case sits now. It looks like there is a new detective that has started working on Ebby's case. And it seems like that he feels that some leads are going to come forward from opening the discussion about Ebby. Grandmother's been really vocal about telling her story and trying to get that out there. But so far, they haven't announced any leads or any persons of interest. So I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, they know who these guys are that assaulted mm-hmm. her. I just don't think they have the evidence to prove that they killed her also. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of a situation where the police initially didn't do the groundwork and now... When a detective comes in and tries to look at this case, it's so hard to make up for that lost time and that lost information. You can't really backtrack with that. Right. Evidence. Which is what's so frustrating because I think that this is a very solvable case. I mean, although they don't have evidence of like her actually being killed, they know the last place she was. They know who she communicated with. And I mean, the fact that her keys were left in the ignition and there was no gas in the car makes me think that she was just abruptly pulled out of her car and her car was left running and eventually the gas ran out and the car died. I think she went to the park and was surprised, maybe ambushed. I don't know. It's obvious she didn't run away, which is why I hate that theory. Another theory that I absolutely cannot stand is that Ebby crawled into the pipe herself, attempting to end her own life. I just don't see that at all. I don't even see how that's the theory. I mean, if you're going to end your own life and falling into a pipe, you're just basically ending your own life by natural. You're just going to let yourself die. Like, And the chances of this just being like a completely random murder, just after all this has happened and you just pulled out of your car and murdered. Yeah. One is slow in in the first place, but then after all this has happened... I don't think that's Mm -hmm. a possibility. Her mom also said that her makeup that was in the car was broken all over the car. So that, yeah, the first thing that makes me think is a struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you get pulled out of your car, obviously you're not going to like shut it off first. So that makes sense in my head. I'm not sure. The ending your own life theory, her grandmother has spoken out about this recently and said i can't say that i'm positive on what happened but i'm positive on what didn't happen ebby did not take her life so yeah i will end my rant on how annoying that theory is no i agree with you because i mean she opened up about it to her parents she seemingly had like a normal day with them if you're contemplating that that does you don't just have like a normal day right and the last thing that she made plans future plans to do was to go to the police and report her assault. I mean, that just right there sounds like something with the guys had to do with it. You know, like if she was about to, if anybody was about to report somebody and get them in huge trouble and those people knew, they would try to stop them. I mean, that's what it, you know, like that. Right. And it's still an open case too. So there may be things that haven't been released. There may be more information that is completely just hasn't been put out there. We know that police do that all the time. So that's possible too. Um, Another theory is that someone gave her something. She had a bad reaction. She died and then her friends or peers, whoever she was around, got scared and just ended up like dumping her body down there. That wouldn't explain the struggle in the car, I don't think. Right. There's no way. I I really think that she was either meeting the guys there or one of the guys and all of them showed up. 
or for some reason that one or more were in her car with her. That is all we know today. So there's a couple theories, um, a couple really ridiculous theories, but that's Ebby's case and it's still an open case and they're still investigating, but there hasn't been any public leads that we know about, but it does seem like they're trying to call a little bit more attention to her case within the past couple of years, which is positive. But I just feel like this is a really solvable case, which is so frustrating to me. What a frustrating case, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> so just to wrap up Ebby's case, Ebby was referred to from her family as Ebster, Eb Jane, Ebby Jane. Like I said, she wanted to be a cosmetologist and a real estate agent. She was studying Spanish and Turkish and was learning Hebrew with her grandma, Debbie. She loved mm. children. Her favorite color was purple. She loved good music. There was one report that said that her favorite song was Toxic by Britney Spears. And she just loved to like ride around with her friends and listen to that. And I was like, oh, that just makes me so sad because it's like oh, Toxic was my favorite song. Too. Was we, would, yeah. just, we would have been friends with Debbie. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that is the case of Evie Stepik.